Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. doing guys we're starting a brand new series this week and it is called friending i'm really excited about this series because i think this particular study has the potential to change the very trajectory of your life if you'll allow it what we're going to study these next four weeks could impact you for years to come because i believe that if we get our friendships right then they can set you up for success in every area of your life On the flip side, though, is if you get your relationships wrong, you're headed for more pain and more destruction than you can imagine. And so here's a key thought from this entire series. If you're taking notes, you can also use the back of that connection card to do that or get out your your phone and do that or download the app and it has a place for you to take notes. But if you're taking notes, here's the key thought for the entire series. I'll say it every week. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I've heard this for years. I had a Bible teacher in high school who who would say this, and and he was right. And I considered my Bible teacher to be a really, really wise guy, but he wasn't the guy who originated it. In fact, the guy who, who originated this thought was Solomon. He was one of the wisest guys who ever walked this earth. And in the book of Proverbs, he said this, chapter 13, verse 20, he said, walk with the wise and become wise. But the flip side of that, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Basically, what he's saying is, it's not just take a walk with somebody who's wise and you're going to be wise. No, he's saying walk out life with them. Spend time with them. Find somebody who's wise in an area that you need to be wise in, that you need to grow in, and spend time with them. And if you do, you will become like them. So basically what I'm saying is if if you hang with people that are successful financially, then you will grow financially as well. If you hang with people that are great leaders, then that will rub off on you and you will become a greater leader. If you hang with people that are great relationally, may you say, you know, I don't know how to be relational. I'm, I've been, like for me, I grew up, I was a video game kid. I had a video game system in a closet and I sat in front of it and I did this. I was horrible relationally. I sought out people who were good. I looked in my circle in my world, and I said, who's really great? And I tagged him. I said, Rocco. And I went and hung out with Rocco, and I made him my best friend, man. And I learned everything I could from that guy because he was great relationally. If you're looking to grow spiritually, find somebody that is going the direction that you want to go in your life and spend time with him. If you do that, you will rise to the level that they are at. On the flip side, if you spend time with people that are idiots, People that are, are partiers and people that are, that are getting into trouble, guess what they're going to do? They're going to drag you down to their level every single time. You are, show me who your friends are and I'll show you your future. When I look at my life, any successes that I've had in any area of my life, it has been because of the relationships that I have brought around me and that God has used to influence me. And almost every single time that I got in trouble in my life, whether it was in school or outside of school, it was always with the wrong, because I was hanging out with the wrong friends. My parents are sitting right here. They're bobbleheading. Yep, yep, yep. That's them. Fourth row back, right over here. That's mom and dad. Yep. 
So as we build a foundation for the next four weeks, what I want to do is, is uh, I want to ask you all to play along, take out that connection card or use your notes. Here's what I want you to do. Everyone do this, please. I want you to list, without thinking too much about it, your five closest friends. Go ahead. Do it now. Now, we're not talking about people that are your family. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about your dog or your imaginary friend. None of those people count, okay? I want you to write down who are your five closest friends, people that you can call at 2 a.m. that will help you, that know you intimately, that love you. And while you're doing that, here's a thought for the rest of you who aren't doing it. You are the average, who you are right now is the average of your five closest friends. Think about that. Look at your list. You are the average of those five people. Financially, you may not be the, the person with the finances in the best order, but you're, you may not be the lowest either. You are right smack dab in the middle somewhere. Relationally, you, you are smack dab in the middle. You are the average relationally, spiritually, whatever area of your life, you are the average of your five closest friends. If you're a regular partier, it's likely that you had friends that were going out and getting party or partying last night, getting high. So people getting high? Yes, there are people that get high and then they come to church. It happens. Believe it or not. If you're spiritually focused, it's likely that you've got two or three people in your life that are spiritually focused. If you're doing well financially, it's likely because you have those kind of influencers, those two or three people in your life that are doing well financially. I don't mean that you're rich. I mean that you have a plan that is to take care of your family and to take care of your future. You understand what I'm saying. You have a plan. Like it or not, your mom was right. You become like those that you run with. So let me ask a question. As you look at your list, as you look at your five people that you are closest to, are you hanging with the right people? Do you really want to become like those people that you're hanging out with on a regular basis? Or, as you look at this list, you may find areas where you're like, you know what? I, I want to do better this way. I want to do better in my health. I want to do better spiritually. I want to, do, I want to honor God. I want to have his best for me. And that means that that to do that, I've got to kind of change some influences in my life. I've got to change some friends in my life. Do you want a good marriage? Find somebody who's got a marriage that you admire and, and seek them out. Do you want to do well financially? Find somebody who's doing well financially and start asking them questions. You want to do better in your health? Start talking to somebody who looks like they've got it. Jason Woodland, Greg Binning, Amy Binning, Kyle. Talk to these people. You want to do well in your health? These guys can help you on your journey. Any area of your life, find somebody. You say, I don't know what that looks like. Look, I've been there with you. But all that is is an excuse for why you don't have those people in your life. Because all of my life, when I have lacked in an area, do you know what I've done? This is how simple it is. Hey, you've got something that I admire. Can I take you to lunch and just ask you some questions? And notice I said take you to lunch. I'm going to buy you lunch. I'm going to invest a little bit in you because you're going to invest a little bit in me. And what happens is a relationship can form. Bring those people around you somehow. Take them to coffee. If, if, lunch, if you can't afford lunch, if, you're, if that's your excuse, I can't afford lunch, I can't afford dinner, afford coffee. Buy them coffee and you drink water. It's a, it'll be a buck fifty at Tim Hortons. Go cheap. Like, I'm serious. You can do this. You can do this. So whatever it is that you want, get those people in your life because you are the average 
of your five closest friends. Now, as you listen to the, the messages over the next couple weeks, I want you to listen to them with these five people that you've written down and decided are your closest friends in view. Now, let's do this. Let's define what friendship means, okay? Because I think it's really important that we're all on the same playing field when we talk about what I mean by friend in your life. And this is from Proverbs 17, 17. This is the FBV version. It says, a friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. (laughs) It's on the screen. It has to be true. This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. That's Proverbs 17, 17 from the FBV version. That's the Facebook version of this verse. So obviously this is not true, okay? Just to be clear, this is, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. That's what this says? They knew about Facebook. Prophecy, it's all prophetic. Anyway. Here's what that verse actually says, because let's be honest, the reason I'm goofing here is because we, we need to be really honest, Facebook is having an impact on how we define friend. You say, well, I'm friends with them, and then you have to clear, well, I mean, like on Facebook. <laughs> like, are you a friend in real life, or are you a friend on Facebook, right? Did you wish them happy birthday to their face, or did you do it on Facebook, right? Like, there's a difference, right? And some of your really close friends, it's not legit unless you wish them happy birthday on their, on their Facebook, too. It's like, I don't know, it's weird, it's this social thing. Anyway. That's not in my notes. I don't know how I got there. Let's go. Here's what Proverbs 17, 17 says. Actually, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Look, you guys need to just loosen up and have some fun with me here, okay? Church doesn't have to be boring. Church can be fun, all right? So welcome to it. All right. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. This is what Solomon is saying about friends. A friend, a real friend, is somebody that loves you unconditionally at all times. Wouldn't it be great to have like four or five people in your life that loved you unconditionally at all times? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, imagine what your life would be like if you had somebody in your life who loved you through the hard times, rejoiced with you in the good, in the, in the good times, somebody that was willing to kick you in the rear end and tell you you were doing something stupid, somebody that's, with, that's been with you for so long that they saw your kids born and they've invested in them and loved them, somebody to celebrate life with you, Some, somebody that you've learned something from them, somebody that you've shared an experience with, somebody that you've had in your life for decades. What if you had those four or five relationships? What would your life look like? It says a friend loves at all times. The problem is, is for many of us, we don't, we don't have that many friends. The American Sociological uh, Review says that the average American today has two friends, two close friends. Now, when you do the math of, hey, you're the average of your five closest friends, it means you are lacking. The average American is lacking because we have two close friends. And some of you count that to be a blessing. You're like, oh, man, that's really awesome to have two close friends. Well, you know, 25 years ago, the average American said that they had six close friends. And what's really, really sad is one out of four people that were actually interviewed said that they had no close friends. Man, something's got to give. Something's got to change in this area because there's something desperately wrong with this picture when you have no friends in your life, no close friends, people that love you at all times. Why are these our relationships declining? Why in the last 25 years have we gone from six 
to two. Well, there's a few things that I'm going to kind of blow through these. If you're taking notes, the first reason I think that relationships in America are declining is because of, of increasing work hours. Man, we are working. Do you know the banks used to be open Monday through Friday, and now they're open on Saturdays, and some of them are even open on Sundays? Look, the banks are not the, are not the climate control here. They're just responding to the world in which we live. We are working all the time, taking fewer and fewer days to rest. Technology has allowed us to do this because not only are we now serving as a business, not only are we serving our local market, like where we live, like just assume the city of Reynoldsburg, but, and, and maybe the surrounding areas. But now, because of the internet, a business that resides right here and has a storefront can also serve the world. We have increasing work hours. We take our email home with us. It's in our pockets. And ding, what do you want? Ding, what do you want? We're constantly responding. We are always working. The, the increase of our work hours. Second reason that relationships are, decline, are declining is because of rising divorce rates. Some of you say, well, how is that so? Well, here's the deal. Divorce is is at an all-time high, and married couples develop relationships and communities of people. They have places where they work out. They have churches that they go to. They have neighborhoods, and then they have their friends that they play cards with and hang out with. And when a couple divorces, what do the friends have to do? Decide whose side they're on. Divorce is not just ugly for the people that are getting a divorce. It's ugly for the communities that they're part of. And friendships are on the decline because they have to choose here. And if you choose the wrong side, you can be ostracized. An entire church can be split and ripped apart because of one couple who may divorce. Friendships broken. Years of them. The last reason I think that... that Relationships are on the decline, and I think this is the biggest, the biggest one for us is the explosion of social media. It's the explosion of social media. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I am not against social media. In fact, I use it. I, the, the one that I use is Facebook, and I use that in a very limited way. If you want to know about that, ask me later. I preached an entire series last year called The Struggle is Real. It was like five or six weeks on the dangers of, of social media in our lives and the impact that it's making. But I am for it, okay? I am for it. I just don't think it should be your primary mode of relationship. I, I just don't think it should be. And so just know that I'm not against it, all right? I, I'm, not, I'm not against it. But we need to acknowledge that social media has had an impact on our relationships. And it's redefined how we look at our friends. Because think about this. Years ago, before faith, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, like we even go on before that, okay? Like back when I was a kid, we had this thing that was on the wall, and, uh, and it sat there. And uh, from time to time, it would make a noise. And you would go over to it with lots of questions. And it wasn't, hey, Jason, how you doing? Back in my day, it was, Hello? Because you didn't know who was on the other end of the phone. We didn't have caller ID. My kids see a phone like that and they're like, what is that, Dad? That's a phone. That's what they used to look like. That's how we used to talk to people. It would sit right there with this long cord. And if you were really cool, you got the really, really long ones. So you could, like, the phone was here and you could do the dishes like this. We all had cramps in our necks. Looked like we had tortocollis. You know what I'm saying? Doing what we were doing, talking on the phone. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Bunch of old people up in here with me. That's right. It's good. 
<laughs> but you would not, at that time, make your breakfast and pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, I just wanted you to know I'm having some really delicious oatmeal. Yeah, I got to go. See ya. Nobody did that, and yet nobody thinks anything of making some oatmeal, drizzling some brown sugar on the top, and putting a few berries in it and going, Facebook needs to know. Every one of my friends needs to know what I'm eating right now. <laughs> but, but that's what we do. We, we take that picture, and then we post it, right? We no longer, because of the, the explosion of social media, we no longer are seeking face-to-face -face relationships, which, by the way, a face-to-face -face relationship, what it brings into your life is intimacy, right? And intimacy, if you break it down, is the in-to-me-see. No, 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 we don't have that anymore because of social media, what we've got is an obsession, an obsession with controlling how we look online, Right? We, we aren't honest with anybody. Nobody really knows us. Our highlight reel is put out there on social media. And we're obsessed with controlling how, what everybody sees about us to the point that, man, there is no posting a picture of yourself that you haven't approved. Like if somebody takes a picture of you, hey, let me see that picture before you post it really quick. Look, let me tell you, it's the most frustrating thing to be in a group of people, especially with my wife. I love her, but if you were in a group of people trying to get a picture, whether it's somebody out there taking a picture or you're trying to do a selfie, she has got to look at it and approve because she's got a way. She's going to hold her face so that she gets the best, best look. And we all, it's just, no, the light's better over here. Let's move. She has to approve the pictures. And I think most of you women are this way. Some of you guys are. I'm a little worried, okay? Your selfie game is like mad strong, and you're so concerned about how these pictures look that in a group picture is almost impossible because so many people want you to retake the picture. She does. She's really good at it. She looks like she nails it every time. There's 20 pictures that she threw away because she got the one. And then after we get the picture... We put a filter on it, make it look nice. We adjust it. We soften ourselves. Some of us even go into like Snapchat and apply a, a makeup filter. So like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a makeup filter now. It does it for you. It makes you pretty. I could have guy liner on in a second. Snapchat that. You know what I'm saying? Put on a filter. We control how we look online. We're obsessed with it. We are obsessed with it, and nobody knows who we're really what we're really like. Nobody, nobody gets it. Because we post that picture. We post that best image of ourselves. We post the best things about our life that is going on, and people have lost touch. Now, look, there is nothing inherently wrong with social media. But you can't let social media become the main meal of your relationships. It can supplement them. That's it. It can supplement your relationships. But too many of us have made that the only way we are connecting with people. We wake up in the morning. We saw what everybody had for dinner last night. By 10 o'clock, we're looking to see what everybody had for breakfast. At noon, we're posting what we're having for lunch. By 2 o'clock, and by the way, we all should be working during these times. We're back on Facebook. We've got tons of people around us, but we're walking like this. We're either doing that or playing Pokemon Go. I'm not sure what we're doing, but this is what we're doing. I digress. 
Let me assure you, the more followers you get, the more people that like your status, the lonelier you will become. The more you feel validated by that, the less connection I promise you you are having with people in your life. Cannot be your main meal of your relationship. So, in the upcoming weeks, I know that was a really, really long intro for this whole series. But in the upcoming weeks, here's what we're going to do. Next week, I'm going to talk about the kind of friends that you need to have in your life. We're going to look at King David. He had three friends in his life that every single one of you need to have in your life. The week after that, we're going to talk about the communities that you need to have in your life. See, the world today tells us that we need to live independent, that we need to be able to do things on our own, that we need to stand alone, that we need to be firm, that we need to be strong, and that is so opposite of God's plan for your life. He wanted you to be a part of a body, a community of people that you could depend on and rely on. And I think that you are one community away from having your entire life change if you're willing to be a part of it. And then the last week, the fourth week, we're going to talk about, I've called it unfriending because there's some people in your life, man, that you probably need to unfriend, not just on Facebook, but in real life. That you need to, now I'm not saying not love them, I'm not saying not serve them and pray for them, I'm saying that you need to remove their influence in your life. See, Jesus did this, and I'll show you how he did that. So that's what we're going to talk about. Now next week again, we're going to talk about the friends that you need, but today I want to wrap up our time with giving you two quick points on the type of friend that you need to be in order to have friends, okay? Because there is the lost art of friendship that I think that we need to rediscover. And there's lots of ways that you can do this, but I'm going to give you the two greatest needs that we, that we need in our life. The first thing that we need to be to be a great friend, the kind of friend that everybody needs, is to be present. It's to be present. Everybody do this. I want you to repeat after me, will you please? Just, just play along and humor me. Even if you're somebody that says, Aaron, I don't play along, play along. You don't need to be a rebel right now. You can wear your, you know, your jean jacket and ride your Harley after service right now. Oh, don't ooh and boo. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Play along with me. All right, here we go. I will develop my friendships face-to-face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs. Right? We, we need to make a commitment to develop our friendships face-to-face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs. Now, some of you all are talented like that. I'm more of a four-finger-to-four-finger kind of thing. I kind of hunt and peck. Some of you guys, you've got mad skills with your thumbs on those things. I can't do it. Or use the microphone and talk to it, right? Yeah, there you go. But we need to commit to being present in these relationships. You know, we're, we're Christ followers. How did Jesus do it? Jesus didn't say, hey, come follow me on Facebook. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, hey, here's a great book about me. Go read that. And what Jesus said to his disciples when he said, come follow me, he said, come journey with me. Let's go to this next town together. Let's travel together. Let's eat together. Let's talk together. Let's find places to sleep together. Let's go on adventures together. Let's do wild things together. And Jesus did. He and his disciples were present together. If you want to demonstrate God's love to somebody... The best thing that you can do is to be present with them. It's your presence that has power. Kids are getting this. Kids are understanding what's happening. Because they are complaining more and more. This, this, this kid generation now is complaining more and more that their parents are playing on their phones too much. 
And it's not that the parents are playing on their phones more than their kids are as far as equal amounts of time. Well, they spend two hours and I only spend an hour. No, no, it's just that you're on it so much that they can't get your attention when they need your attention. And they are recognizing that there is a problem. Kids want your attention and you're about to change the world with your next Pinterest post. Or somebody else has posted something interesting on Facebook and you got a notification and you got to look at it. Your kids are feeling left out. They're feeling like you're may, you may be present physically, but you are not present-minded with them. How many times do you go to a restaurant and you see a family of five sitting around a table and what are they all doing? It's the saddest thing to me. Now, my family's not perfect. We argue and fight, and sometimes I would rather just sit in silence with them, being honest with you. <laughs> but I think it's really sad when we all go out to a restaurant and I'll look around and they're all on their phones, and the reason I didn't notice they were on their phones is because I was on mine. It's true. Say, but you're the preacher. Shouldn't you know better? Absolutely, I should. And I get sucked into it just like everybody else. We, we need to be present with people. If you want to make an impact in their life, if you want to be the friend that they need you to be, be present. Be present. The writer of Hebrews wrote this, and I think that it's for our time today. He said this in Hebrews 10, 24. He said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Wouldn't that be amazing? Anytime you got together with brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that throughout that conversation at some point in time, you were encouraged to do a good work or an act of love for someone else? Wouldn't that be amazing? How would your life be different? I think we'd make Jesus famous a lot faster if we did that. Anyway, he continues on and says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, getting together face to face as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Look, he's saying, hey, Hey, it's, it's the end days, man. Things are getting crazy. We need, to, we need to be getting together. Because there's some that do this. We need, to, we need to make sure that more of us are doing this. We need to make sure we are having face-to-face -face relationships. Why? Because there is power in presence. I learned this early on whenever we, we first planted the church. And I don't know what you know much about my history, but I was not a pastor prior to Simple Church. I did not work a day full-time in ministry. I was a volunteer in many different ministries growing up and through my life, but I was not a pastor. I did not. Nobody gave me a handbook and said, this is how you handle every difficult situation that's going to come up. Nobody gave that to me. And so while I didn't know what I was doing, I was happy not knowing what I was doing, and I ran full force at it, not knowing what I was doing. A few months into launching the church, we had a death among our congregation. A young man passed away. And while I had because we launched in a funeral home, I had done plenty of funerals, but they were for people that I didn't know. This was the first time this had happened within our church. And the young woman, his girlfriend, who had come to our church as well, was crushed. She was crushed, and I got that phone call, and I'm like, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? And I thought, well, I, I don't really have a choice. I've got to go, though I don't know what to say. I don't really know the best prayer to pray right now. I'm just going to go. And so I went to her house, and I walked in, and there were family members standing there. And not one of them said a word to me. I thought, you know what? Oh, great, they're here. They'll tell me what I need to say. And they all looked at me and did this. Both of them that were there at that moment. 
And I walked into that room and I saw her and she was on the floor and she was just crying, holding on to some of his belongings. And I didn't know what to say. I felt like an idiot. And I just sat down next to her and I cried with her. I pat her on the back. I didn't say there, there, there. I didn't say it's going to be okay. I just, I just sat with her. I probably sat with her for 20, maybe 30 minutes. And she asked me lots of hard questions. Why? And I just didn't have any answers. Through the tears, I just, I got nothing. I left that morning because church was getting ready to start. And I left her sitting there, and it was some months later. We did the funeral, and some months later that she told me, you know, one of the greatest impacts that you had on me, the funeral was beautiful. Some of the things that you said were great. She said, but the best thing that you gave me was that time that you sat there for 20 minutes and said nothing. It's the power of presence. The power of just being present with people. I love opportunities to pray for people. Like, I like getting text messages like, hey, you need, I need your prayers today. That's awesome. But when I'm standing in front of somebody and somebody says, Aaron, I need to pray with you. Guess what I'm good, or, Aaron, I need prayer. Will you pray for me? They're asking me to pray later for them, more often than not. They're, hey, when you pray later on or when you pray in the morning, will you just shout out one for, to Jesus for me? And they don't know what I know is that I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to pray right now. Father, I just pray. And, I'm, I just, and I just knock it out right then and there. And there's, it doesn't matter if I've been in the gym. I've been in the gym with this man right here, and he's like, man, just struggling. I'm like, hey, I'm going to pray for you right now. I have no idea how he felt about that. I never asked him. I'm just going to pray. I'll be in the grocery store. It doesn't matter to me. Why? Because the power of presence, it means something when somebody prays for you right there on the spot. It's great to hear that they're praying for you. But when somebody is standing there with you and praying, there is power to that. That's why God said, where two or three are gathered together, there I am among them. It's being together. I, I, it touched my heart a few, few weeks ago. We were in a leadership meeting, and I told the leadership team about some uh, small surgery I had to have on my back for some some, some skin cells that needed to be checked out, you know, no big deal, so don't panic, I'm not dying, at least not yet, not that I know of, and, and I told, shared this with my team, and we ended the meeting, and some of the team members left from that meeting, and about 10 minutes later, they came back, and I was like, didn't you guys just leave, and they said, we did, but we wanted to pray for you, and I was like, well, you could have done that, like, you know, on your way home, that would have been fine, they said, no, we want to, we want to pray for you, so they gathered what team members were left, and they all stood around me, and they prayed, that meant the world to me, to have somebody come pray for me that went out of their way. They'd already left and decided to come back and pray. There's power in presence. Are you getting it? It's not enough just to be physically present. You need to be emotionally present as well. Because, man, it makes a difference. When somebody tells you in an email, I believe in you, versus somebody looking you in the eyes and saying, there's something I see in your life, man. There's something incredible I see in your life. You've got this potential. Man, that makes all the difference in the world. Or when somebody gives you that phone call to tell you, hey, man, I know you're going through something rough and I'm sorry about that, versus somebody showing up at your door with pie because everybody loves pie. <laughs> or somebody sending your kid a congratulations card for their graduation versus them actually being there. Or even simpler yet, just being at your kid's soccer game. It means the world to people to have you present. I mean, can I ask you this? At the end of your life, do all the likes and the comments that you get on your selfies, are, are they really going to matter? Or is it going to be the relationships? Look, I'm going to be really, really brief because I've said a lot about this, but I'm really passionate about this. I hope you're listening. God, I hope you're listening. You know what the number one killer of presence is? 
It's your mobile device. Takes you away immediately. You're only half listening if you're listening at all. Your mobile device is the number one killer. If you want to be a good friend, put your phone down. When you have lunch with somebody, put the phone down. When you're out with your wife or your spouse, put the phone down. Put it down. Put it down. You want to pray and you want to connect to God? Put the phone down. Put it, put it down. You cannot be connected to people when you are connected to your phone. You just can't be. It reminds me of a, of a, of a Sesame Street uh, skit. There was one with Ernie, right? And I'm sorry, I, just, I grew up loving kids stuff. And, and Ernie's got this desire to play the saxophone. Does anybody know this skit? And Ernie wants to play the saxophone. My mom, she's waving back there. <laughs> All the child care providers in the room for the last 30 years know this. Ernie, Ernie wants to play the saxophone, but he's playing the saxophone, and you know Ernie's got that rubber ducky that he loves, right? And he's grabbing that saxophone, and every time he goes to play, he's squeaking, and he can't hit the buttons right. And so he goes to the owl, who sounds like Louis Armstrong, and he's like, I can't figure out how to play the saxophone. And the owl's like, come on, Ernie, if you want to play the saxophone, you just got to put down that ducky. Put down the ducky. And then a montage begins of all the celebrities from the 70s and the 80s singing, put down the ducky. Come on, you got to put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone. Right? You know what I'm talking about, Will? Will plays the saxophone. Put down the ducky. If you want to be present, if you want to have great relationships, if you want to be the friend that other people need and want in their lives, put down the ducky. Put down your phone. Put down your phone. End rant. I'm done. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us be present. And then the second thing that you need to do is get open. You need to get open with people in your life. Experts say that there's a new phobia. It's one of the fastest growing phobias in the world today. And you know what it is? The fear of answering your phone. Some of you are laughing, but a lot of you people, whenever, whenever somebody calls you, you'll look and see who it is. Or if you're like me, if you don't know who it is, I'm not answering that. I don't know what they want. I'm not answering that. I'm going to let it go to voicemail. Or if it's a friend and you're not sure what they want, it's like weird that they're calling me right now. I'm going to let it go to voicemail. And it's not because I'm working and I'm not supposed to be on my phone. It's like I'm chilling, watching the next episode of Doctor Who, and you're calling me. And I'm like, I'm going to go to let you go to voicemail, and then I'm going to answer you with a text. Why? They say that people are doing this now because they're afraid of how the conversation is going to go. You can't control it. When you answer the phone and speak to somebody on the phone, you can't control that conversation, and so you're fearful of that. But a text allows you to think and allows you to process and control how that conversation is going to go. I am much wittier in text than I am on the phone. <laughs> Just need 10 minutes to process it and Google something funny to say back. You know what I'm saying? People are afraid to use the phone because they can't control the direction of it. And so this talking doesn't allow that control. It's the same thing with Facebook. We want to have controlled posts on Facebook, and so nobody really knows us. We don't want to do face-to-face because we can't control how the conversation's going to go, what they're going to ask us, whether we're going to be able to lie well or not. Text lies really easy for us. Your eyes and your face do not. Some of you don't, are not really comfortable with this right now, so let, let me just tell you that being open and being honest with people is what the, the author in the book of James had in mind when he said, in James 5, 16, I say this a lot. He says, confess your sins to each other. Now, it's not that you need to confess them to each other for forgiveness. Forgiveness is between you and God. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. And there's a big why coming. There's a reason why. He says, so that you may be healed. Now, think about this for a second. 
Why would you need to be healed? Because sin is damaging in your life. The thing that you are doing that is contrary to God's best for you is damaging to you. The way that you've been living is damaging. You need to learn a new way to live. And so you confess that to somebody. Like, hey, man, I've really been struggling with this. And they look at you and go, dude, I totally get it. I struggled with that too. Let me help you with that. This is what I do. Let me pray for you as well because there's a new way to be. And daggone it, you have found a new way to live where you will find healing. We need to be open with other people. How different spiritually would you be if you could learn to be open with people and get help? Say, this is what angers me. This is what, I looked at this and I shouldn't have looked at this. I did this. I went there. I I don't know how to stop doing this. I think I've got an addiction issue. How much different would your life be If you could be open. Look, let me say this. I've said this here before. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect to people through our weaknesses. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. We need to get open. We need to be open about what we're struggling with. And then when somebody comes to you and is open with you, be okay with that. Just pray, man, even if you don't know what to do with that, that's okay. Let me pray for you. I've seen this happen time and time again as I've shared my past and poor addiction, as I've talked about it, been very, very open with it. Even from here, some preachers tell me, Aaron, you shouldn't talk about your past like that. That makes people uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't care. There are people that are bound and addicted and their marriages and their relationships are in the toilet because of this thing. And I'm going to talk about it as often as I can. Why? Because every time I do, there is somebody sitting out there that says, man, I understand. I'm going through the same thing. Aaron, will you pray for me? Will you show me a better way? Because I'm open And what that has caused is ripples. I got all kinds of people in my life, ministers, pastors that come to me and that I sit with, pastors that I'm sitting with who are afraid to tell anybody. And I'm walking with them and guess what? After after some time goes by and they've got some sobriety underneath their belt of not using, they stand up in front of their congregations and they say, this is what I've been struggling with for years. I want you to know that I'm free and there's a better way. And then people in their congregation are set free. Because they learned that they can be honest as well. Look, guys, it is so important that as a friend that you get open and get honest with people about how you're struggling. There is power in transparency. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. We were not created to do this life on our own, guys. We, we, we just weren't. We need God's people in our life. We need to have friends in our life. But you're never going to get these friends on accident. You're not going to stumble into relationships. You have to be intentional. It will take being a friend and being the kind of friend that people want to have in your life. You're going to have to be present. Put down the ducky. Be present. Whatever that ducky is in your life, put it down. Whatever is keeping you from being present, put it down. It's not worth it. And being open is an incredible beginning. Being present and being open is an incredible beginning to being the friend that other people need and having the right relationships in your life. If we get this right, it'll change everything for you. It'll change everything. You might not understand where you're at. You're afraid to do this because you're afraid of hurting people's feelings. Well, let me tell you something. Putting up these kind of boundaries and inviting them to come along with you on a journey is something you can do. But understand, you have a conversation with them say, look, I'm going. And if you're coming with me, great. But understand, I don't want to leave you behind. This is where I'm going. I need you to come with me. And if they're not on board, they'll walk the other way. And you will mourn the loss of that friend. I get it. I'll talk more about that in unfriending. But man, God, we need to get this right. God has so much more for us. More for us. Jesus said, I came that you would have a life 
a full and fulfilled life. God's plan for you to do that is to be part of a body, to be part of people that will help you have that full and fulfilled life. That's his plan for you. He wants more for us. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me, let me just ask those that are here in this room. You say, Aaron, I'm ready to experience all God has for me. Say, I'm a Christ follower already, but I need to make a change. I need God to change my heart. I need to be present. And that's going to take some work. Some of you just need to admit, I've been selfish. I have, have filled my life with things that are all about me, and I need to put down the ducky today. You need to be present. You need to let go of fear in exchange for openness. Some of you are afraid of what a family member is going to think of you, what a spouse is going to think of you, what that person in church or what your leadership or what your boss or what somebody is going to think of you, and you need to let go of that fear and find freedom and healing and being open. Find the right relationships. That fear is keeping you in the wrong relationships. That fear is keeping you bound. That fear is keeping you broken. Let it go. If you need to be let go of that fear, you need to put down the ducky. Say, Aaron, I want to be open. I want to be present. I need God to help me do that. I need God to make me wise. I need to make me aware of myself so that I can have all that he has for me. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you say, Aaron, that's me? Would you put your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me? That's me. This should be all over this room, being honest with you. This should be every single one of us because all of us can use some work in this area. Thanks. You can put your hands down. Father, I just pray for each one of us. Lord, help us. God, we're, 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 we're gripped by fear. Every person I had this conversation with about their friends, they're like, I don't want to hurt somebody. I know that we don't want to hurt anybody, Lord, but I know that we want all that you have for us. So God, help us to get over that fear. Help us to draw those lines. Help us to be inviting and to bring other people with us. But Lord, take us on the journey to all that you have for us. God, we want that. We want to be full, have a life that is full and fulfilled and have that found in you and the people that you would bring around us in your body. In this, in this church, Lord, bring the right people into relationship with us. And as we're open, Lord, I pray that you would bond us together. As we are present, God, strengthen our relationships. Help us to be the friend that we need to be, Lord, to be in those right relationships. Others of you, you're here today, and the most fundamental relationship that you don't have right now is a relationship with God. So you've got to get that one right first before you can have all that Jesus promises you of that full and fulfilled life. So he said, I don't know how to do that. See, the, the reason the relationship is broke, it's not that God's love isn't good enough. God loves you unconditionally, but you and I were born into what's called sin. All of us have our own ways that we're going to do things, and they're all the wrong ways. And God says, hey, that sin is horribly offensive to me. In fact, I, I can't even be near you because of it. So for the longest time, this gap existed. And God said, I'm going to make a way. See, he didn't just send you a love letter. He didn't just shout from heaven that he loved you. He said, no, I'm going to send you my love in the form of my son, which, by the way, is a person. He sent his love by way of a relationship with his son, Jesus. See, Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, rising again in three days from the dead. And when he did that, his death paid the penalty for all the sins for all of mankind. He bridged that gap between you and God. And for you to have a relationship with God through Jesus is simple. You simply need to ask Jesus 
to be Lord of your life. That means he's in charge. That means you begin on a journey of learning his ways of doing things. And you commit to that. You're not going to get it right all the time. You're not going to be perfect. That's not what God is looking for. He's not looking for you to clean up your act. He's looking for you to invite Jesus to begin to teach you how to follow him. We're here to help you with that. If you want to make that step, if you want to say, I need God. I need that relationship between me and God restored. I want to experience his love and all that he has for me. I want to have the full and fulfilled life that Jesus offers. Aaron, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. If that's you right now, would you just put up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just hand up. Hand up. Yeah. That's awesome. Look, this is a commitment. You can put your hands down. This is a commitment that you will make to follow Jesus that you will never, ever regret. I've been committed to some things in my life that I regretted. This is not one of them. This has been a source of joy, a source of power, a source of strength for me. This commitment to follow Jesus will change everything for you. I'm going to pray this prayer. If you'll just pray the words that I'm praying, whether you're sitting in this room, watching live by Periscope, or listening through a podcast, I believe that God's Spirit will meet you right where you are. As you pray these words with me, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, that you lived a perfect and sinless life, that you gave your life on that cross, and you died for me that you rose from the dead three days later. Jesus, you did all that so that I could be forgiven. So forgive me of my sins, Jesus. Forgive me for doing things my own way. Show me how to do things your way. And I'll spend every day doing it. Be in charge of my life. Give me your life in exchange for mine. Give me that full and fulfilled life, Jesus. Show me how to have it. 